Edutainment Learning is powered by Academica Virtual Education and Collegia TV. For more information, visit www.edutainmentlearning.com. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Josh Rogerson. Feel free to interrupt me if uh, my connection breaks up or if there's any squirrel anything squirrely going on. I am the, I guess, audio engineer for the Tiny Desk Concert Series for the past seven years. I started in 2015 and um, I had been an audio engineer for public broadcasting in the United States basically since 1999. Um, I was doing sound post-production uh, for theater and mixing live shows right out of college or university. And I used to walk by NPR's headquarters on my way to the Shakespeare Theater in Washington, DC. And I had heard of National Public Radio, um, which is sort of um, not really uh, funded by the government like many other countries fund their public broadcasting institutions, but more of a sort of um, a public service that's privately funded with donations and a very, very small percentage from government funding, uh, maybe 3%. So I walked by NPR every day on my way to mix shows at the theater and thought, oh, I should go in there and do some broadcasting. I'd heard of them. And uh, fast forward a couple years, I was on this sort of fence between doing sound for theater and sound for broadcast. And I decided that sound for broadcast would be a lot more varied in terms of recording stories all over the world. I went to West Africa to record a story about ancient um, voodoo rituals and festivals. Um, I went to Greece to record a story about ancient athletics leading up to the 2004 Olympics. And I went to Cambodia uh, to do a story about the giant freshwater catfish on the Mekong River and learning how to record in the field with different stereo recording techniques uh, like MS stereo and ORTF and spaced omnis. I basically learned how to capture music in a different way. And all of those different things that I learned in journalism, telling a story through sound, I apply to recording music at the tiny desk. So, um, and we have kids of all different ages here, as young as elementary and as old as, as high school. And uh, so if you could just tell the kids, like you've worked with some pretty big name guests. I mean, what are some of the big names that come to mind when you just talk about the highlights of the collaborations that you've done production-wise? In terms of big names at the tiny desk, the latest was probably Usher. That has a, you know, we did that in June. It probably has like 12 million views on YouTube. And a, uh, a meme went around uh, with him going, watch this, watch this. And people would go, uh, uh, I, my, my, my contribution to the meme was, uh, you think you can cram that many musicians behind a, a tiny little desk and make it sound good? watch this. So sort of like, you think that your kids were bad, watch this. And that'd be like a video of the kids being bad. So did anyone else see the meme? Raise your hands on the internet of watch this usher. Anyway, that was a pretty big moment uh, that went very, very viral, which was really, really cool. 
Lizzo came through. Uh, she created a meme as well, uh, which was really fun. I was her friends in the background. She was walking through and there was a security guard behind her said common sense. And I'm in the corner says my friends. And then someone stuck their hand out like this, to like slap her five on her way to the tiny desk. And she said, you know, the jerk or whatever. Um, so uh, Lizzo was a big highlight. We had Alicia Keys come through, Mac Miller before he died, Thundercat, um, Sting. Um, and then there's some Latin artists that I've loved. Natalia Lafarcade came through, um, Monsieur Pyrenee. I'm trying to think what other big ones. I bring in the more theatrical ones because that's my background. Uh, so I brought in Blue Man Group, uh, Hades Town, and I'm a I was literally just mixing The Lion King before this started, and I need to get back to that right after. So uh, The Lion King comes out this Friday for their 25th anniversary. We won't keep you too long, but- uh, No, it's fine. Out, I'm here for shout you. Shout out to Blue Man Group. I'm in Las Vegas, so I, we, we love that here. It's very hometown heroes. We have a question from Paula, and Paula is in Spain. She had a pretty good question about your career. Paula, you should be able to unmute to ask your question, friend. Yeah, hi, thank you. Um, so I wanted to ask, how did you figure out that this was what you really wanted to do with your life in terms of work? It was pretty much a complete accident. I would write songs and record them in high school. And that's sort of how I got into the art of recording music, so to speak. And I learned about, oh, you can get studio time and people work in recording studios and you can be an audio engineer for a job. Um, so I fell into it because of my love for making my own music and figuring out how to capture it. Uh, and then I knew when I went to university, I just wanted to do sound. I didn't really care what the application was and I wasn't restricting myself in any way. So I studied you know, electroacoustic music in the music school. I studied the physics physics of sound in the science school. Uh, I studied um, multi-track recording in the communication school, live sound reinforcement in the theater school. And then when I graduated, I just sort of looked around to see what would fit because I had a theater background. I thought, oh, I'll just do sound for theater. I quickly learned I didn't want to do eight shows a week with the same thing. And that broadcast engineering, I just got very lucky that NPR was geographically located very close to the theater where I was doing sound. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had the thought to even walk in there. And then I spent, you know, 20 years at NPR, um, where I was just sort of taking in feeds from reporters all over the world, learning how to clean up tape with outboard gear, with the EQ compression. Um, and making things sound more intelligible, training my ears, working with quarter inch tape back in the day. Uh, and then I sort of graduated to mixing the show for broadcast. And then after that, uh, I graduated to going out into the field and recording stories through stereo capturing for like documentary style sound. And then, you know, many, many years later, uh, Bob Boylan, whose desk it is, um, he had an engineer that I was good friends with, Kevin Waite. And Kevin said, I don't really want to do this anymore. You should really apply for it. And um, because I knew Bob from 20 years previously, I was able to sort of work that relationship um, because he knew who I was and he knew how I, I am and how I work with people. It was an easy choice for him 
to uh, select me for Tiny Desk Concerts seven years ago. But I felt like I spent my whole career training for and leading up to this gig. It's not something that happened overnight. That's incredible. Um, one of the kids they wanted to know, um, they're, they're into audio editing and they want to know, are there any programs that you would recommend for a student who has aspirations to follow in your career study? Whatever's free and available to you. So the only trick to, is that you need to do it. Uh, my take on audio equipment, whether it's the software used to mix and record it, the microphones used to capture it, um, it doesn't matter how expensive it is or if it's free. Uh, there's stuff online. There's something called Reaper. That's a really cheap or free multi-track recorder. If you have a Mac, a lot of times they'll have GarageBand built in. I'm sure Microsoft has an equivalent. The trick is just to do it. Because um, fact of the matter is you need to train your ear. And you need to know the difference between the microphone being right here and the microphone being further away and um, making sure you get a good signal and you mix everything properly has nothing to do with the software you're using or the microphone you're using to capture it. I guarantee I can make a better recording than an amateur if the amateur had $50,000 worth of recording gear and I had $100 worth of recording gear and we had to record the same exact thing, I bet I could do a better job just based on my experience. So it's just, it's like anything else. It's just practice. Practice. Oh yeah, totally. Yep. And, and, you know, having the aptitude to really know what sounds good to you and making decisions rather than there's no right answers to any of this stuff. So by me just making a decision, it's the right answer for me and how I yeah. want to hear things. And if that equals quality to other people, well, then they have good taste. What can I say? Sure. Uh, so we have a question from Italy. This is our friend Mav. Mav, go ahead and unmute to ask uh, uh, our guest. Hello. Um, looking at what you said, I want to know what are your favorite sounds and where did you get them from? Okay. Uh, in terms of capturing sounds remotely, all the best sounds I can think of came from West Africa. It's in a very magical place. Uh, there's a moment where in this voodoo ritual, these high priests are in a forest and they're looking for a rock. And if the rock is white, it's going to be a good year. And if the rock is red, it's going to be famine and stuff. And um, we all stayed up all night and no one's allowed to wear shirts, at least the men aren't. We're in like these white tunics. We're like hanging out under the heat with a bunch of people and drum circles and sounds coming from every direction. We're talking about hundreds of people waiting for these priests to descend from the forest. And they came out of the forest. And of course, they, they raised the rock in their hands and it was white. And there's just sort of waves of sound emanating from where the rock was to once the people realized it was white and the sort of um, the game of telephone that happened because of course, you know, there was no PA system or any modern accolades. And I was recording everything with a four microphone array and surround sound and quad surround sound. And uh, I remember looking down at my recorder being like, oh my God, I hope it doesn't peak. And it like went all the way up the scale. So the very, very last 
segment before it goes into the red, like perfectly. It was just like one of those magical moments. So I'd, I'd say the sounds of Africa, there's um, the door of no return in Wida Benin is, um, is a memorial really to where a lot of the slave ships actually started from. And the sound of the ocean there, I went and recorded with a with a zeppelin in the wind, just like walked down through the door of no return. Um, and it was just such a um, violent, aggressive ocean at that time. It was just, it felt very, um, very shocking. Uh, and then another time I woke up in the middle of the night in my hotel room in West Africa to a huge thunderstorm. So of course I pulled out all of my recording equipment at four in the morning and pressed record. And sure enough, like 10 minutes after I hit record, there was this massive that kind of like rolled over the lake that I was next to. And the sound after that big thunder of a little bird going chirp, 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 as if it was like scared of the sound it just heard. And it's just like a really special moment. I'm sure, and this goes without saying, but I'm sure that you hear things a lot differently now because you talk about that practice over and over again that your ears are so probably well-trained to hear stuff beyond that, what you used to before you kind of got into this industry. Um, we have a question from Thomaso. And Thomaso, you can go ahead and ask. Hi. Hi, everybody. Yep, we can hear you. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm a producer in my free time. And do you have any tips about how to maybe become famous? I don't know. Well, I think I to uh, reiterate like what kind of what he was saying. Do you have any tips as far as like practice? Like, and I think you just mentioned that in the last response about how you got your audio equipment out. Um, so you record stuff that sometimes doesn't have to do with music. It's just, you hear like unique sounds and unique scenarios where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get this down. Yeah. So, okay. Like a tip or uh, I can give Correct. you a tip. I, I can't say, okay. Uh, it's like there's ear training and there's only so much you can learn. Uh, but I think I grew up in a very musical household. There was music playing all the time. My dad wrote musical theater. I think that helps a lot. And there's a lot to be said for just instinctually knowing how loud the guitar solo should be versus the bass line. And it's not something you can really tell and there's no right answer. It's just sort of a feeling. And I'm not sure that can be taught, frankly. But one thing that you can teach is that when you are gathering sounds in the field and you're capturing a scene let's say i'm in a in a plaza or a circle and there's a fountain in the middle and there's a accordion player on one end of the plaza sure i can get set up my microphone in stereo in one place and capture it which i do as like the ambience bed but then because you're your brain isn't sophisticated enough to kind of like pick out those individual sounds like you can with your eyes when you decide to zone into something, you can kind of try to make it out. But what I like to try and do, and it could be some journalistic integrity issue stuff going on, but what I do is I'll go up and get the ambient sound of the plaza, but then I'll make separate recordings in stereo 
of the fountain trickling close up. And then I'll make another stereo recording of that accordion player on the other side of the plaza. Nice up and close stereo sound of the accordion. And then I'll go up to uh, some kids who are kicking a ball in the corner and go right up to them and record stereo of them kicking ball. Um, and then I'll use all of those sounds from the same place to very quickly manipulate my audience into um, establishing a sense of place very quickly. That's uh, great advice. And, and I assume that you started this kind of on your own where it was just kind of like you were interested in it and figured out how to record and figure out how to edit. And it was yes and no. I got training. I went at NPR. There were other engineers who had done the radio expeditions series. And that was like a co-production with National Geographic. And they definitely taught me some of the ropes in terms of here's different stereo recording techniques. Here's different gear you can use. But when it comes to actually going out and getting this stuff, I felt like I taught myself that stuff. Absolutely. So we have our final student question because we don't want to keep you too long. And I know it's kind of late for some of the kids overseas. Uh, Eva, you can unmute to ask. You had a pretty good question. It was awfully specific, but go ahead and ask. Hi, Josh. Uh, I'm from Spain. And my question is that one of the most viral videos in the Tiny Desk concert is of BTS. We have more than 52 million of views. How do you feel to work for the company of the support of the fans army? Thank you. Work in the, I'm sorry, work in the company of or work for? Uh, work, work for NPR. Like, and I think to add on to what she's saying, you know, you guys have had obviously BTS, Coldplay, these major groups come through Tiny Desk. And it's like a regular day for you guys where it's like one in a trillion to, to have that. Like, what is that like? Um, well, uh, for BTS, they sent in their video from South Korea. So I actually have no idea. Um, so we had our home concert series during the pandemic. Um, uh, so I worked with our engineers to sort of tell them what we're after and to try to get them not to, to do something more stripped down uh, where the band is all playing live. If they're not playing to tracks, that's really important. But they still all had their blingy handheld microphones. And then, you know, a group that big, they mix it themselves. I might send them some notes, make sure you take down the reverb to kind of fit into the aesthetic of Tiny Desk. And then I'll just master it to make sure that the level matches every other tiny desk, that the talking parts are nice and present. If there's P-pops and plosives, I'll go through and clean up that stuff during the talking bits. But for the music part, I let them mix it when it's a massive group who's submitting a home concert. But of course, anytime any band comes into the office like Coldplay, uh, I get to mix it and I'll send the audio to their team uh, for approval, for any changes they might want, which definitely happens. And it's great because it just makes my work better uh, to have other ears on it. That is great. You have to be one of the most well-rounded sound engineers on the planet. Like, yeah. because there's so many different, it's not just the big name groups, but it's the eclectic groups. Oh yeah. Different it's, genres. That yeah. There's a, there's a band called Coco Co from Africa that like all of their instruments are created from trash basically that they found in the streets and like how you record this instrument that they made when you don't know how, like there isn't a record of how to do it. So you kind of just move your head around till it sounds good and 
and then put a microphone where your head is. Also, I'm constantly listening to my mixes in different areas. So I'll listen to it on my bike ride in my earphones. I'll listen to it when I'm mixing. I'll listen to it on my laptop speakers in a mono speaker while I'm taking a shower. And I don't take notes, but I'll take mental notes of like, oh, wow, I think I can make the bass a little louder or whatever. And I'll go back to a mix over the course of a couple of weeks, two or three times. So like right now I'm mixing the Lion King and I'm doing version three. Wow, that's a lot. And uh, by the way, congratulations on your NPR award nomination. That's, uh, you know, I saw that you had edutainment mentioned on that. So thank you for that. And um, so our final uh, bit before we go, guys, I have the edutainment link in the chat. Sign up for any of the speakers coming up. But before we let you go, Josh, is there any advice that you could give to these kids as they go off into the world and figure out what they want to do with their lives? What kind of advice would you have for them? Oh, sorry. I got you, bud. Sorry, and, I couldn't. What was that? Well, what kind of advice would you have for these kids? They go off into the world and figure out what they want to do, what kind of path they want to lead professionally, whether it's with audio uh, production or something completely different. As someone who's a leader in his field, what advice would you have for them? Well, for me, uh, pounding the pavement, so to speak, keeping your eyes open, no matter what city you're in. So I ended up in Washington, D.C. just to work at a theater, but I kept my eyes open to see what else was around. That's how I found NPR. I used to record congressional hearings in the United States Senate and um, basically of hearings that they would have for transcription services because it was like I was in Washington, DC. So always keep your eyes open there. And my advice would be to find the person or people who are doing your dream job and you know try to connect with them uh, anyone can reach me at Josh Rogerson, which is my Instagram handle. Um, and, you know, I get a lot of direct messages, but when I feel like I can answer something, I will. Uh, I've had in the past, of course, before COVID, I probably had, I'd say three to five people a year. I would just invite them to come and shadow me for a day uh, if they were in Washington. But obviously, I would vet them, make sure that they, you know, were audio people and that they were on the path of doing what kind of stuff I want to be doing. And, and that was a really fun way to sort of pay it forward. And to, of course, um, have chats like these to answer any questions, but yeah, pound the pavement, um, find the people who are doing your dream job and, and try to get advice from them. We can't thank you enough for taking the time to spend uh, with us today. It, it means the absolute world. You're a man of the people and we're all rooting for you and a huge inspiration. Uh, so we're getting a lot of thank you. Thank yous in the chat for you. But before we let you go, before I end the meeting for all, I'm going to allow everyone to unmute. And can we all say thank you to Josh for taking time out of his very valuable day to come and talk to you guys. Thank you so much, Josh. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.